Welcome 2209 to another podcast episode. It is 2022. Uh, We did a previous episode with our first responders. And on that same note, we have another one of our wonderful members at Local 2209 that gives his time and dedicates all his positive feedback and learning and mentorship into our community at an unbelievable heartwarming experience that I've known. But just a little personal um, information. I met James uh, in strike captain training, and he has always kept me on my toes (laughs) ever since the first time I met him. But that was the first time I've actually talked to him. I had an experience with him one-on-one. But as a temp, I've seen him walk around, and I'm like, there's this guy. Who is this? Now, the reason that stuck out for me is because James is an amputee. So if you're in the plant, you're, you've noticed him. I mean, it, you can tell. At first, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he's in here doing this work. And, oh, that's crazy. And, man, he looks pretty buff. And, okay, so I feel like I need to step my game up. What's my weakness? I have two legs. But meeting him and talking to him, he does so much in the community. And he is involved with a mentoring, amputee mentoring program, basically. Right. Um, But there's a lot of information I don't even know about you. I've never sat down, spoke to you about, one, you've worked here for how long, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm a third generation when it comes to General Motors. Uh, Initially, it wasn't even my goal or thought that I would end up investing my life in a factory. You know, the idea was that uh, I had a different career path, but... You know how your steps just kind of get ordered. You know, your mm-hmm. family has pride and sense, and there's an opportunity, and the jobs are great, mm-hmm. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came in, I came in as a temp, but I was an older temp, you know, so, and I had no idea what to expect. You remember when you first came in, they did a little, uh, uh, they do drug tests, and then they had you play with toys, <laughs> yes. you know, and so you put the square on the square. I was like, this would be an easy job. <laughs> All I got to do is stand here and stack this stuff up, you know, and it's uh, it was just a, like a kid game or something you know and I was like well that was easy and I remember going through the orientation and thinking man this this is not gonna be bad you know like make sure you drink water and stuff I'm like this won't be bad at all my grandma said she played card games at work you know what I mean (laughs) this was uh, 50 years ago but this is gonna be easy I can't wait so I get here get here and I get to my first job and I didn't realize that sometimes temps don't get the best jobs you know (laughs) So I didn't get to drive trucks off the line or anything like that. I started off as working on motor, uh, on a motor line, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I had to put, uh, I knew it was a bad job when all three shifts were tense, right? (laughs) And then after like two weeks, I was the most senior person, you know, and then it just kept seeing people come and go, come and go. And and uh, it it was really rough. I was losing weight while I was doing the job. I was like, man, this. And I had a TC who said, no bathroom breaks for temps, you know. And so I went like nine months without ever going to the bathroom. Oh. And it was like, man, this is rough. And um, and I nearly quit several times because I would go home, and uh, as an amputee, and I would have to soak in the tub to get swelling down. I'd have friction issues, you name it. But I but I couldn't quit because I had accountability to the fact that my uh, my family at, at that time referred you in. Mm-hmm. And when some because I was under someone's name, I, I took I took great pride in that, you know. And also, uh, I have a family, you know. I have mm-hmm. kids and stuff. And I said, how do I take care of them? 
or set the example by quitting. But there were so many times it was really rough on me. I have both legs in there. There's a couple of times I wanted to quit <laughs> yeah. too. Like well, it's I'm not just, easy, so I can only yeah. imagine. Well, you can imagine this. You know how you get on some jobs and the activity level is so high, you sweat to death and you lose mm-hmm. ten pounds. Now that can be a good thing, but for me as an amputee, it made it so my leg was like really ready to drop off. So I had to add socks. I had socks. Do different things and. At that time, I didn't know about the environment. They, I was always told that you could be fired for any reason as a temp. Mm-hmm. So I just never complained, and I would just suffer in silence. And so, you know, that was, uh, you know, I was a temp for, from 2010 to until I got hired, almost like 2013, 14, somewhere there. And, um, and then once I got in, uh, my life changed completely because the insurance here, you know, I had gone from, a prosthetic that was outdated, and I had just learned to endure pain. Uh, and, and when I say pain, I'm talking about severe pain. Um, but I had endured it so often, you know, I just would grind my teeth and just deal with it. I thought mm-hmm. that was going to be my way of life. Right. But it was a poor-fitting prosthetic. Um, I had, it had broken, you know. Um, and as it, as it broke, um, I just used duct tape and held it together. Because I didn't have the ability to, uh, to do anything about it. And so when I got the insurance here, um, the UAW changed my life. Because uh, I, went, I was able to go get a $35,000 leg and pay $0 for it. And that leg uh, changed my abilities. I had a limitations that I was overcoming. And when I used to walk, when I first came in here, I actually... I didn't walk. I would kind of use my leg as a cane because it was a little, about a half inch too long. Mm. And so you, I just kind of pogo my way through it. Wow. And I just dealt with that. And so to get my hips fitted right, took away that the pain from my back and all that. But to have a leg that gave energy returned back to me. So as I step forward, it would store up energy and then release it. And it would help me in what I was doing. And it was about 25 pounds the first leg. Mm-hmm. This one was about six pounds. So to get a leg ha- sure. that much lighter made me that much more agile. And I mean, without the UAW, I would have never even had that experience. And from that, um, my coworkers, um, a guy named Brian, by, uh, by, uh, actually, uh, was, we were talking, and I said, you know, I've never worn shorts. And uh, he was like, really? I was like, man, I always wanted to, but... You know, the first time I seen you, you were in shorts. Yeah, so that's weird so, for me. So, so uh, there was a big transition from the first time I seen you to to that even yes. that conversation. So so like, so you seem in that that took me forty five years of courage building to come to that moment. You so know, when did you first become like what happened? Okay, that's a great 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 question. So at uh, when I was born. Um, they just knew something was wrong with my right leg, right side. You know, I had poor blood circulation. By the time that I was uh, 90 days old, uh, I had my first surgery, you know. And then I started having surgery about every six months. Wow. And, uh, and it didn't look good, you know. Um, they tried to start building buildups. Uh, I had, if you would see some of the rudimentary uh, 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 legs that I had growing up, you would be shocked, you know. Um, and so it was very limiting. Um, every six months, it seems like I was in having surgery. And I, I got to tell you this. So I had a neighbor that lived across the street who happened to see my mom and grandma and said, um, he's a Shriners. 
and he said, um, I see you with the child that's got some issues. Um, the Shriners in Chicago takes care of children that are crippled, and we'd like to see if we can evaluate him, and we'd like to take over his medical expenses for free. Wow. Wow. And um, that changed everything. Wow. You see, the most of us, before we have an amputation, they try to save your leg at all costs. But scar tissue had developed, and each time you have a surgery, it's very disheartening to go through rehab over and over again. Mm-hmm. I was 11 when I lost my leg. But um, it was a traumatic experience for me because it was something I didn't want to do. All I knew was having a leg, even if it wasn't useful. Mm-hmm. But the idea of losing it was uh, the unknown, was fearful. Mm-hmm. And most amputees fear, or people fear, if I lose my leg, what will happen? The truth is, it improves your life. Because the thing that was holding me back, the, the thing that wouldn't grow, they could now make something that su- replace it. It was a, It's a solution once and for all, rather than continually put a same Band-Aid over the same mm-hmm. challenge. And when we went to the Shriners of Chicago, um, I didn't know that I would end up staying. So one of the hard things that I experienced in that moment it was um, my mom uh, and dad both came uh, they signed over the rights for me to be able to be there and for the hospital to be your guardian during that time you know and um, when I realized that they were leaving is when I got got scared because now I'm I'm in this hospital even as nice as only imagine was, you know you're 11 and you, you see your parents leaving and you're like you're, you're coming back yeah we'll be back and you're like but and I'm staying you know, the sense of abandonment. Man, I can't you know? even imagine. Yeah. I can't you, even imagine. Imagine living in Indiana and your, child, your child is in, in, in another state That's... even. You know? Imagine that, you know? Yeah. And so I go and I had two roommates. One name was Matt and one name was Gilbert. And I've shared this only in private settings, so I'll share this here. Uh, Gilbert was paralyzed from the neck down. He was injured in Chicago at Cabrini Green Apartments or something like that and left him paralyzed. And so my first week there, and while my parents are making arrangements, my mom is going to be moving out to Chicago, but I didn't know that at the time. I'm just mm-hmm. by myself. And uh, Gilbert's mom came in and said, Gil, I just can't do it anymore. And um, since he was paralyzed, they put a mirror on the ceiling. And that's how we could talk to each other through seeing each other's faces when we were laid in the bed. And so even though they closed the curtain for privacy, I could see everything. Oh. And so I'm watching, and his mom was like, Gil, uh, baby, I'm sorry, but I just can't do this anymore. These people are going to take good care of you. And I just remember him begging, saying, Mama, please, you know, mm. mercy on me. I, I won't, I'll do whatever you say. I'll, and she was like, Gil, I just can't. You're making it too hard on me. And then to see his mom leave him, you know, so that sparked fear that I was never going to have anybody around me. Yeah. You know? And so the other child that was in the room named Matt passed away. He had a degenerative disease, and he didn't make it to eight, you know. And to watch him wither away and pass away and his parents give us his toys and all that, you know. Oh so now goodness. I'm facing a whole different reality, you know. So you never know what these children, hospitals, mm-hmm. the environment. These kids, as much as the staff is wonderful, the reality of watching a friend die mm-hmm. or seeing people abandon their children created some some real fears in me you know and i was thankful that my family was always supportive and challenged me and 
But I went through a great deal becoming an amputee, and um, and I wanted acceptance and validation from people who weren't amputees. And so I tried to hide it. And so by the time I get to GM and my coworkers, are, and I was like, man, I just wish I knew what it was like to, to wear shorts, you know? Because uh, the one thing I don't want to be is is seen as, an, as a disabled person. You right. know, I'm fighting for acceptance. So a lot of times people thought that there was a sense of maybe arrogancy or something, that, but it truly it was a sense of pride and dignity of wanting to be acceptance. So I worked out because uh, if I don't, I'll atrophy. And by atrophy means I'll lose my ability to walk later mm-hmm. in life. And so you know, I just made it a part of my lifestyle. I'm going to remain strong so that I can stay out of a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I'm not fighting just to, for aesthetics or to look good. It just so happened things happen when I put on those pair of shorts. When you saw me, Brian said to me, and Brian's a little guy, but uh, he said, uh, he said, James, if you wear shorts, we'll wear them with you. And if anybody says anything, well, you know, I'll go, they got to deal with us, you know. And that sense of um, acceptance and uh, Unconditional solidarity, you know, um, changed so much in me. Um, And that day putting on a pair of shorts and coming to work was a rough one, you know, because I didn't know how people would receive me. And then when I was given acceptance and, um, man, what it did for me, it took away uh, 45 years of pain, you know, all because of one union brother and then the rest joined in. So... The union gave me a leg that took away limitations on my life. The union brothers and sisters took away uh, angst and anxiety that existed for 45 years. And so I was like, I want to give back somehow. And so I'd started doing things that I never did before. And as a result of it, the prosthetic company that GM had brought in, if it wasn't for Holly bringing these guys in, I never would have known about them and I never would have gotten that if they hadn't negotiated a better deal for insurance because the previous one wouldn't have covered my prosthetic you know i owe so much to the uaw you know and then so one of the ways i wanted to give back um is to live a life that was full and so i started running i started lifting in the prosthetic company made it was like hey yeah that leg can't do all that and i was like it's going to do it now. Yeah. You're going to have to just repair this stuff, man. I got insurance. Yeah. You know? So I started doing everything. I ran a marathon my first week uh, having the leg, and I wow. never trained for it. I didn't know it was going to be a full marathon out of the way. Uh, I thought it was, uh, you know, I remember asking one of the guys, hey, how far is uh, like a 5K? They said three miles. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So I, I agreed to do it because of, I had done a video running on a treadmill, mm-hmm. and an amputee mm-hmm. saw me on it and was like, hey, listen, I just a drunk driver hit me. I lost my leg. I used to run. We have a run at my job. And they, mm-hmm. uh, would you push my wheelchair and push me in? I was like, sure. And so I agreed to it, and I thought they said it was five, uh, three miles. So I arrived, and their insurance wouldn't allow me to push their wheelchair, but mm-hmm. I could run in that person's place. And so I was like, all right. So I got in my head. I said, I'm going to win this thing. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's freaking three miles. I bought shoes on the way to the race, you know? And I bought a pair of Nikes. I didn't want to save, spend a lot of money. I bought like $30 pair, you know what I'm saying? That, like shoe carnival or something. <laughs> I throw these shoes on, and I didn't break them in or anything. And I was like, so I'm up front, man. I was like, man, I've been working out and ready. I said, I'm about to win. 
You know, and so I'm looking around and I was looking for people who are out of shape and I was like, yeah, I'm going to beat that person for sure. And I was like, but if I take off on a good sprint, three miles, I can make this thing. So I, that's what was, it really crossed my mind. So right when they get ready to, to start, they yell out, uh, all right, guys, 26 miles. And, and I was, so I looked around and I asked the guy beside me because he looked like he was really fit. I was like, hey, uh, so there's like two races. Like, you guys keep going or something. And then he said, no, there's only one. So, yeah, I'm on the front row because I'm a guest of honor. So, I'm like, hold on. So, before they go go, you know, I need to ask something. And I was like, so there's there's a full marathon and then there's a short one? And she's like, no, there's only one. So, I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to. I was about to explain, well, you know what, the, the way my running is set up. Is that I don't do, you know, marathons. I've right. never done one before. Uh, I didn't know anything about this. Yeah, but the, the, the race starts, and I'm running, I'm running, running. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do about a mile, and then I'm going to jump out of this thing like, hey, thanks for <laughs> But then the girl that they brought me there for, I, right where I get ready, I want to quit. She's like, keep going, do it for me. And so I, I was like, I got to keep going. Dang. And then there were other amputees that showed up, and they're like, yeah, James, I saw you were going to be here. We came to watch you. And I was like, oh, shoot. Oh. So I kept running, and then it started raining. I said, all right, this is how I'm going to get out of this thing. Because my side is hurting. I didn't know that that uh, that your thighs rubbed together. And I was like, man, this stuff is – my foot is hurting. And I was like, yeah, I'm getting out of this, you know. And I just got I got to use the bathroom, and nobody told me where do you do that at. You know, right. I'd never done a marathon. So anyway, I finished that thing and uh, because – I, I just couldn't quit, you know, so I finished it. And uh, my first time running one, I was slow and all that. I got mad a few times. I wanted to quit a few times, but I just couldn't because every time I wanted to quit, somebody kept encouraging me. And and that's kind of where when I finished it, you know, I uh, got a, they gave me a little award, won my first little award, got my little, my little uh, medal. And I got, I ran to the car. I wanted to look strong. On I got in the car. I used up three VR days recovering. <laughs> I, was, I, I was so jacked up after that race. That was the worst idea ever. But I couldn't tell them that. So they, but they started inviting me to more and more stuff. But, you know, like, hey, we got another marathon coming up. And I was like, you know what? Based on my work schedule, I should have. I was like, I got a message from Gary. And, you know, he said, I can't be there. So, no, I'm not going to be able to be there for that. Sorry, guys. And they're like, we haven't given you the date. Yeah, it's all of them. We work all of them. So, that was, but the support I got while I was running and people see me, that that's how I got discovered by Under Armour, uh, being in shape and being, and that's how I got uh, discovered by um Ulcer, which is the world's second largest prosthetic company in the world. They just celebrated their 50th anniversary. They just 50th, yes. And and so they make the you know hands that for like if you're a hand amputee that can hold coffee, make coffee, it can wow. crush something. Mm-hmm. As they've touched, they can tie tennis shoes, and they can use they they create innovation and stuff like that. And if it wasn't for Ulcer's technology and then Prevail Prosthetics here, who made my leg made it in such a way that I could do everything. And after that, they came to me and they were like, James, we would like you to uh, use you as a person uh, because, you know, man, I was such an advocate and I was doing everything. Mm-hmm. Bowling, running, lifting weights. And I, I started, I went to uh, watch a, str- uh, lifting, a powerlifting event 
And they were like, hey, why don't you jump in? And I ended up winning it. And the first time I ever did it, I'd never okay. done. They were explaining to me what to do as I was doing mm-hmm. it. And then, um, then I, you know, so I was the first time I, uh, I had ever deadlifted. I didn't know I could do that. And um, so then I'm, I failed at like 300 and some, or 400 pounds I failed at the first contest. And um, just because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And I've been watching mm-hmm. people, and it just looked like you reach down and pick up. But there's technique to that, right? And so then I went on and, and uh, uh, did another one and did 500. And then I kept going, and then I'm doing 700. And I'm doing things, and they're like, we didn't know those legs could do that. In fact, Ulster actually has a great uh, vice president that will do anything for any amputee. His name is Shane Namick. He came and uh, went to a gym with me with four UAW brothers who came to be a part of watching me go for uh, what would be the world record for squatting for an amputee. So I ended up squatting uh, 760 pounds. Nice. And... Um, and they made a leg at Prevail Prosthetics for me that could withstand a thousand. Wow. Just so you know, most legs can only handle 325 pounds of weight. That's you included. So imagine, you know, I'm I'm 265 pounds. If I I would have only been able to do about 45 pounds, which is the bar, yeah. without breaking the leg. And so, when other amputees would, uh, I'd, I'd see them. I remember seeing Robert Walters here at work in an amputee. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm going to retire because I I'm, I lost my leg. And I was like, why would a leg cause you to retire? And he goes, well, I can't do anything anymore. Well, it was because what happens is you lose your leg, they give you a prosthetic, and there's no one to tell you how to use it. No one shows you how to drive a car. No one shows you how to go up steps. No one shows you how to mm-hmm. bend over. They just, the rehab is, okay, stretch your leg out, stand mm-hmm. up, try to walk. And even if you Frankenstein walk, they're like, that's good. Because they're basing it off yeah. the fact that you were in a wheelchair or in a hospital and you bed. you weren't doing that yeah. before. But, but that's, not the, that's not enough. Not, not for me to be a functioning uh, member of my family and life. You got to relearn yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. So. It, man, it goes back to basics, man. Wow. And once you, you see a gate, and you have to watch... Uh, you have to continually watch picking up a bad habit, you know. If you walk with people, you ever notice you start walking the pace of the people you're walking with? Yep. But you also start mimicking them if you well, realize you guys yeah. start walking in sync. Because even, like, me and um, my boyfriend, he's six foot three, mm-hmm. and I'm five, five foot seven, and we walk together. Mm-hmm. And my fast walk is almost a jog with his fast walk. See, and I'm like, babe, hold on, slow down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And he doesn't so, even realize and it. He doesn't, I'm like, okay, you know, are we doing a jog? If, if you want to go ahead of me, just go ahead of me because I can't. <laughs> We've already been out here for like an hour. Right. You know, or and, and so amputees, in order to get somewhere, imagine walking in the snow. If no one had ever told you how to. Uh, one of the places you've probably never seen an amputee is in a fast food restaurant. Because yeah. the tile floors are so slick. And Grease. Yeah. Red, and we yeah. fall a lot. Yeah. And 60% of all amputees will never even get a leg. So because insurance, if, the, if you don't have anyone that can watch your back, mentor you, and coach you through it, and you settle for crutches or cane or wheelchair, mm-hmm. then the insurance will say, that's your apparatus for mm-hmm. getting around. That's your mobility. That's what we promised you. You took the wheelchair, therefore you can't get this leg. Or we'll give you a mannequin leg that can't do anything, a satch foot. Whereas people like Prevail, they 
I didn't know until I went to them that there's categories and there's tests that you take to find out what you where you'll be, whether you'll be active and all those things. And so for the first time in my life, I found out that I was what was called a K-4, meaning I had no limitations. I didn't know that. So a lot of the sports and things that I do now is because I never did them when I was younger. Because I couldn't. The leg prohibited me, mm-hmm. you know. But that's a long answer for what you asked, isn't it? Well, I mean, <laughs> no, you covered, and I knew this was going to be an easy breezy interview because you are so proficient with how you speak and telling oh, your story you. and very charismatic. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And you can cover all the bases because mm-hmm. those are the inf- all that back history um, and where you are. Like the day you walked into GM, you would have never thought you'd be where you're at no, now. No, and part of that, part of growing and finding out that you have this ability is knowing where you came from and trying to help other individuals amputees anyone with any kind of disability any kind of disability because there's other people that aren't amputees or that's right that that have just disabilities and think they can't do anything and you know just reaching them so they don't feel like you know how many people the the depression is real right Mm. one of the great trainings that we had here was suicide prevention you know and learning how to step into someone's life and prevent in the reason why that's so important because um, amputees are high risk for that. And I had that happen to me uh, with me there, well, watching, talking to a person on Facebook as they commit, they, they went through this, this process of taking their own life. And, you know, I carried a lot of guilt with that because I met with the person the day before, you know, and I didn't know the signs. of They were giving away stuff. They were saying their goodbyes, and I didn't catch that tour. Um, and so I take this to, to heart. There are people that we work with now that who've come to me and they've had a father or a brother or someone who just lost a limb there in the hospital. And so when I arrive, I'm able to show up. And uh, when I come in, they don't know I'm an amputee because I, with this new process that I have, I can my I, the gait issues is what we call the ability to walk. I walk a million times better than I ever did, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I walk in, they start talking to them, and, and they're like, man, you don't know what it's like. And I'm like, listen, I know what the phantoms are like. Phantom pains, your leg is gone, but it still itches. It still cramps, even though it's there. Because they took the nerve endings, right? And they balled that up, and they stuck it in mm-hmm. there. And they, but they, it, some of them, they could have stretched. That would have led to where your calf was. But your mind hasn't disconnected from that. Mm-hmm. It's very real, and you stay in that pain. And so one of the therapies that, that we learn to do is that, you know, we'll take a mirror and place it in front of the person and let them see themselves scratch. That, so you, if your right's sense. missing, scratch your left because it's now your right in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Your mind will... Go, oh, yeah. Oh, it's there. And it's it, something as small as that, but the mind is that... That that fragile guys, you know, wild. and and so working with people and realizing that there are various disabilities, and there are various reasons that people want to quit, and if I can somehow uh, do something that makes someone believe, like, you know what, if he can overcome and I can, then that's what I'm here for, you know. And so being silent and not talking about it or being private would have kept me from meeting guys like Percy or guys like Robert or. I mean, there's probably, with, under Holly's watch here, 
I probably have helped maybe 35 amputees that were related to somebody in our UAW, you know? And and I only say something publicly about the ones who are ready for that, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, you, guys, you guys know who Percy Winfield is? If you don't, he's a retiree from here. His This is how I met him. He's an amputee. His son works on third shift, and I happened to be walking by, and he said, James, I needed to talk to you. I've been hoping to see you. And I just happened to be walking past, and he says, my father-in-law, my, fa- my stepfather, my father, he called him, lost his, uh, his leg, and he's lost hope. I was hoping that maybe you could talk to him. And he said, so here's, here's, can I get your phone number? So we start off with a phone call. And I get a hold of him, and the man is this faint whisper on the phone, you know. He's just broken, man. He's like, I've got a wife, and I can't take care of her. I can't get around. I can't. And I was like, um, can you uh, meet with me, and uh, let's have you evaluated. I actually took him to a doctor, got him prescription for a new prosthetic. That's the first step. So meeting him at the doctor, taking him from the doctor to the Prevail Prosthetics, where and number one rated and all that stuff i don't push Mm -hmm. them for for any other reason the fact that they are number one and when i say they go above and beyond for uaw guys they like if you didn't have the money i've seen them give the the stuff to cover it i've seen them go they'll come to your house and stuff you know what i mean they've done they've done so many different things like that you know and um, even if you, when we go to turnstone we got people to go run in there Mm -hmm. if you notice they put a billboard of me inside of turnstone uh, promoting the fact that they are, you know, I just walked in and there it was. I didn't know that was going we on. We prevail. <laughs> yeah, we prevail, you <laughs> know. Right. And it's about oh, just overcoming, and you know. And and so if I can become a symbol of hope for somebody, great. You know, because with in Percy's case, he needed someone to just take him by the hand as well. Mm-hmm. And if you look through some of my social media, you'll see that uh, you have cases where we start off and you'll see someone um, very discouraged and you'll hear them talking. And then you'll see them take their first steps. I've got guys who took their first step in eight years, you know. Never never took a step. For the first time in eight years, you see them move. And they are only moving because I believe for them before they could believe for themselves, you know. And mm-hmm. in a case like with, with Percy, they're like, I can't even stand. I can't do this. I don't have this. I can't. And you're, you're sitting there. You're talking to them. You get them to stand up. And they're like, so tell me what you can't do. And I said, man, I can't even stand 25 seconds. You've moved their wheelchair from behind them while they're talking to you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, so you're telling me that you can't stand 25 seconds? Not at all. I said, but if you could stand up, what would you do? It was like, man, if I could stand up and I could do such and such, and they'll explain. Five minutes have gone by, and the whole time they've been standing. standing. <laughs> and then you draw attention to it, and you're like, hey, this entire time, you've been standing. And then they're like, oh, my God, I can do that? Yeah. But man, I, I, but they didn't know they could. They couldn't believe in themselves initially, mm-hmm. and so you're like, but not just standing, but you can walk, you can you can shower, you can go to the mall, you can drive, and mm-hmm. so it's all about coaching, and so helping them get the the technology uh, that OSHA provides, that, that that Prevail puts together, getting them there, and then me mentoring them, showing them how to, mm-hmm. and then they thrive, and I get to step out of their lives. And they go on to do that for themselves, and then they impact others' lives, you know. Yeah. Percy was so, uh, he just cried, you know. And he thinks, he's like, thank Rich and Holly and the, and the UAW, you know, because um, they cared enough to create a committee 
that could do something for him mm-hmm. that he wouldn't have not he wouldn't have been able to do. Right. He couldn't care for his own wife, and he couldn't because he couldn't take care of himself. Right. And that was leading him to depression. And the longer he sit, the, the sores, diabetics get mm-hmm. sores, sores turn into infections mm-hmm. that turn into additional um, uh, situations. You know. And and I know, like I had a wrist surgery. Mm-hmm. It was my dominant hand. I didn't lose my arm. Mm-hmm. But I was in a cast for almost Created two months. Quite a, quite a limitation. I, I've worked every day of my life. I raised three kids, and then I'm in a cast with my dominant hand, and I really didn't understand how extensive that process was going to be, mm-hmm. let alone just the PT to get me back on track, oh, which yeah. was six months. And I have never been that low mm-hmm. in my life, like because I had to ask all help. the time for help yeah. and not – there wasn't a lot of people around and I'm I'm a pride wom- proud woman, you know, like I hated asking for help. Like I can do this. You know, I got pregnant young and I was like, I'm going to do this, you know, so all these things I was going to do. And then I'm like, I can't even cut up my vegetables. Yeah. Like, you know, simple things. Dressing yourself yeah. some and all those you know, things. Yeah. And so when you talk about all these um different emotions and feelings that we go through like i i understand but still we don't necessarily understand what someone else is going through um for you to go out there and go let me just help motivate you let me give you inspiration because there was one point in time you felt that way and you knew there was more possibilities and it was probably because you ran a marathon you were not (laughs) intending it to be that long but you still had that Someone there. It was. You know, pushing you. Man, and someone encouraging you, someone speaking it into your life, someone being an example, mm-hmm. someone being proof in front of you. That, and you, you have to think about it. If you can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I put a clip of me bowling, and I got a, uh, a guy named Benton Miller wrote, writes me, t- sending me a text and said, after seeing you do it, I thought I could. And so he made, sent me a video of him going out and bowling. You know, he was like, nice. I didn't know I, nice. that I could do that until I saw you do it. So being an example and, and and not doing it for there's no narcissism in it. It's all from the heart. Mm-hmm. You know? And it this is all about what can I do to impact lives in my short lifespan that remains, you know? Um, I don't want to waste a moment. And so I take this it, it serious because um, this affects generations, you know? Uh, and you never know when it could affect any right. one of us. I mean, there could be any kind of health things. Diabetes is a big one. If someone has that, if you could have a a traumatic experience, you know, whatever it is, the likelihood is that it's going to happen, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And when that happens, you got to know that that's not the end of the world. That there's somebody there for you. Um, You know, it's the sponsorships, the endorsements, and all those things are great. They came along with it. But it only allows me to have more tools to help other people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like uh, Under Armour with their shoes and stuff, the fact that it can track steps. So that if an amputee is telling me that, hey, I'm walking, and like, I can say, pull up your app, and it'll tell me if they take steps or not. Mm-hmm. It'll show me how wide the steps were. And, when they, and so mm-hmm. it allows us to coach and hold accountability. Uh, that's great. Liner One is a cleaning thing that can keep people from... Ending up uh, uh, 
with additional need for infection that can cause uh, more of an amputation. Mm-hmm. I, I know people who've lost and had to go, they got a sore, and because they didn't take care of it properly or tried to continue their daily life without healing, um, they had to lose another six inches of the leg. And, mm. and when you lose part of your leg, just let me just say these are side effects that I didn't know. Um, one, as an amputee, my blood pressure is higher than yours. Uh, norm for me is 135 over 79. That's a norm as a unilateral uh, an amputee. That's the wow. norm for me. Um, I have less body parts, so I'm, my blood flow is different. I'm, I'm at risk for heart issues as a result of because my heart got smaller because there's less body mass. Mm. That's an side effect that amputees, you wouldn't know and yeah. becoming that, but it takes that someone teaching you. I'm that. sure that's not something that's discussed right away. So no, that's something no one that doesn't. you learn or you yeah. don't learn. If, a, if, then... if someone doesn't mentor you and, and inform you first and then you find out, because, you know, you have to think about when... There's no one in your, like the doctor when he meets you doesn't say, hey, things about to change with you this way. Mm-hmm. They simply, they, they're checking to make sure uh, they, the suture is right. They're making sure that the surgery went well, that uh, there's no additional need. They, their work was done well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nurse is making sure the bandages are on right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PT person is looking for movement. Uh, the prosthetist is looking for a leg to fit on and have mm-hmm. some comfortability. But there's no one that tells you all those other sides. Mm-hmm. And so I really created a gap and then filled the gap because I, it was one that was always there for me. And then I got to do experiences where I've met so many more amputees as a result of it. You know. So um, there, I would like you to talk about a memorable, memorable experience during your mentorship um, that's happened um, that either changed you or influenced you or just mm-hmm. just one that might have stood out? I, I'll give you one. Um, this, this just recently happened. Uh, I had never heard of Challenge Athletes Foundation. It's where, they, you know, where I got to meet a lot of Paralympics, uh, Olympians, people who have represented our country in, um, in the Olympics, even though they were disabled. Did you know that I didn't know that there was such a thing as Paralympics until, uh, until I got this new prosthetic? Uh, that my entire life I could have been an Olympian and didn't know. With my mobility, mm-hmm. with my strength and all that, I could have competed and represented my country, but I never knew about it. That's you crazy. know, I only knew about Special Olympics. No one ever told me that there was something else. And because I didn't know, there's so many things I didn't experience. Mm-hmm. And so... It just so happened I meet these guys and they're six-time Olympic champions and they have less mobility or strength or size or speed than I am. And they don't have my mobility, anything. I'm like, how in the world did I not know this? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I've always tried to compete against full-body people, you know? Mm-hmm. But it made me, as a result of it, it made me dominant versus, you know, if I were to compete against anyone with a disability, you know, mm-hmm. and so I just never looked at that route because I I've only competed even in powerlifting. I only competed against full body people. I've never uh, met an amputee or anyone to compete against. And since then, I've met my family and found uh, of people that are mm-hmm. stronger. But one of the experiences that um, Shane Namek and uh, Ulcer allowed me to come to the Challenge Athlete Foundation 
where they'll partner up kids and um, adults who are athletes, and they'll let the athlete, the older, the amputee or disabled person, mentor or should be an example to match up kids. And the kids have some tremendous severity issues or whatever. And there's, I got to go. Didn't know what I was experiencing. Where was it? This is in San Diego, California. Okay. And so, I, and literally, I've gotten to travel the nation now. Mm-hmm. I've got to speak um, to organizations and to sales meetings and teams of prosthetists and around the that are around the U.S. as a result of the UAW. You know, and literally, I get to speak to forty or fifty prosthetic. Uh, 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 guys who build prosthesis for amputees uh, from around the country, all because of the UAW, right? Mm-hmm. But so it, my most memorable moment was that um, they had partnered me up with a little kid um, and said that we want you, his name is Riley, uh, he's f- 14 months old, and he had the same disability as me. And uh, there's a clip of he and I running and finishing the end of the race together. And to have that kid uh, run with me and to see his dad, um, you know, look at me and like, man, there's hope for my kid, you know. And even if those kids don't, for that moment, there was complete acceptance. There was somebody like me that they could look up to and be like, so the whole Superman thing is not an alter ego. It is the idea that I need to be a symbol of hope for more than myself. And for that kid, I got to be his Superman. And one day he'll be that for everyone else, you know? And so to run and see this kid and to see their pride and, and the way people celebrate them. And that's why, so every every time I've won an award, uh, I donate that away. It doesn't do any good at my house, but I go to a prosthetic shop or somewhere where they're making them and, and I set it up, whether it be a powerlifting, a picture mm-hmm. of me is there with the award so that when the kids come in, they see that. They can know that they can do it. They, they can have the capability. It. It's for them, yeah. right? Because if no one tells you you can do it, you know. Yeah, you'll right? never know. Just you'll like never know. You had no idea you could do very. In our nature, we we look to pamper people with something wrong with them. If you see an older elderly lady walking across the street, you'll try to stop traffic to assist her over. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if you, you see someone who's struggling, but a lot of the handicapable people will be looking for opportunities to prove they can do something on their own. You know, mm-hmm. they don't want the help. They, they want to regain. They want to, do, and, and they, they're thankful sometimes for you to step in. Other times, they're like, man, let, let me do it. You know, mm-hmm. I need to figure this thing out because they want to regain their independence. And, and so mentoring is the way. So my most memorable moment is to meet someone like myself who doesn't have to wait 45 years to realize what they can do. I, I don't know about you guys, but there's a couple times I've been quite about to cry and choke up on here. But <laughs> I, I, and I, I know we've discussed so many different things because I know I know you had that transition point where you were like, whoa, and then you had all this time and then to go back and give back and just give that opportunity to somebody, somebody else that doesn't know. Um, do you have any like unspoken goals for the future or is there something you want to reach for or? Yeah, there is. 
you know, I, I used to have uh, individual goals or things where I was like, man, I want to set the world record for this or that or the other. Those are all gone now. I could, I could care less about that. What I do care about is that I want to, um, I want to impact people. I want to leave a dent on the earth before my time is up. I know that tomorrow's not promised for me. And, um, you know, the idea that I could somehow um, duplicate myself in other amputees, that someone else would take up that mantle as well and begin to be a, a spokesman for it. And to speak out, not just this thing or this mantra like, I can do anything that you believe in, but something mm -hmm. that, man, that even if you can't do everything, right, there's something that you can still do. If you are unable to walk, you still have a voice. You know, you can still do a podcast. You can still speak. Um, if you're unable to run, um, it doesn't mean that you can't do uh, be a writer. And it, it, there, there's so many different aspects. I just want to leave Earth knowing that I made a difference. Man, and, and as long as I was silent, as long as I went not speaking up about overcoming this disability or when I tried to hide the fact that I was disabled, man, I, I, I shielded I shielded myself from the very gift God gave me. You see, mm -hmm. I didn't realize that my disability was the gift God gave me. It wasn't a mistake. I wasn't a flaw. It wasn't, I wasn't to be embarrassed. I didn't have uh, certain relatives that used to support me and all those things. And, and so it made me feel like uh, I'd never be accepted. I'd never, and all those things. And I realized, wait a minute, sometimes you can be isolated so that you can develop who you're supposed to be. Because if those people had stayed in your life, you would have begun to believe them as the final authority, that you never walk, mm -hmm. you never run, you never achieve. And so it's more for me than about mobility. It's about teaching people possibilities and then encouraging them and inspiring them and then changing everything, you know? So the, my goals is to impact lives and so anyone with an amputee or someone facing amputation that's a part of or connected to a UAW member, let me step in and help. And how do they get a hold of you? You know, they can contact through the UAW, or you can reach out to me directly, use social media. Um, uh, you know, at Superman is for real. It's my Instagram. James Dixon is my name on Facebook. Use the UAW hall. Mm -hmm. It's the number one way to do it. Okay. If, it, if they need, if they can't afford a prosthetic, I will get them away somehow. I'll, I'll lean on relationships through Prevail Prosthetics and Ulcer, uh, whatever it takes. If they need shoes, I'll, I'll lean out on, on Under Armour clothes, whatever it takes to help them get going. Thank you, James. I really appreciate yeah, everything you do. Here. No, thank you, guys. And thank you. I always love talking to you because it always makes me feel so positive and oh, upbeat wow, <laughs> and a little bit more go-getter kind of thing. So I... Thank you for taking the time out, coming in, talking with us. Um, if there is any information you want to give out to us any at any other time, get a hold of yeah, me and let me know. We'll anything you want us to shout out or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thank no you. Thank you for the honor to come here. Oh, thank you for being here. <laughs>